Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I teach this concept called pause and reset. Always just stop. Mid-sentence, mid-yell, mid-grab, mid-pinch, mid-whatever it is. Whenever you catch yourself in your stress response, pause. And then move your body and move your mind. I'm Allie Wolf, an Emmy-winning journalist and mom. I love interviewing women and experts who inspire us to create fulfilling lives and careers while embracing the messy and beautiful reality of being a mom. This is the Mom's Calling Podcast. Such a great episode today for moms of all stages, whether you have a toddler or an adult child, you can really gain something from this week's episode because it is all about being calmer as a mom. I'm sure you can relate to this feeling. You get stressed out, frustrated, maybe even angry. That feeling and that anger seeps into your parenting and you're not proud of yourself because maybe you lost your temper or you weren't so kind to your kid or your significant other. And then you feel guilty and shameful about it, and it's a terrible cycle. The reality is you can't avoid the fact that life is going to get overwhelming. It's how we react to it and how we work on those relationships that we can control. So that's why it's important to do the work as a mom, learn to stay calm in the face of those stressful situations. So parenting and life in general can be joyful rather than consistently stressful. And most importantly, so we can build strong and happy bonds with our kids. My guest today is going to talk about all of these topics in such a beautiful and inspiring way. She is Darlin Childress, life and parenting coach. She shares how her online coaching business all started with a free class at her kids' school. She has spent the past decade helping hundreds of moms feel calm so they can stop yelling and enjoy motherhood. Today, she's going to help all of us do the same, and I hope you get a lot out of this episode. Darlene, welcome to the show. It's so great to talk to you today. Thanks, Ellie. I'm so happy to be here. Your business is called Calm Mama Coaching, and I think that is the perfect name because that's what we all want to be, right? Yes, exactly. So I want to start with how and when moms can start thinking about how they can be great moms in response to their children, because I think we spend a lot of time preparing for babies and what to buy and how to get them to sleep, but not enough time thinking about how we're going to behave. So how do we even start to think about this? Because I think it's a little intimidating. I love that question. What I think about is that when you have your little baby, you're very much like connected to them. You're really attuned. You're trying to figure out what's going on. What do they need? Are they hungry? Are they have a dirty diaper? Are they tired? Do they need soothing? There's a lot of attunement when you have a little baby. It's really natural actually for moms when their kids are little to connect and figure out what's going on. And then as they get a little older and the behavior changes or it becomes a little more public, a little more confusing, that's when moms start to get upset. Like when you have a little tiny baby and they're crying, you're thinking, oh, they're crying. It's so sad. What do you need, baby? And then you have a two-year-old that's crying and you're like, why are you crying? This does not make any sense. And we kind of lose that little piece in us, that mama instinct of like, let me see what's happening underneath here. What is this behavior showing me? I would say that starts to happen to moms around 18 months. Yeah, I think there is really that connection as a baby. And, and you know, they always say you can't spoil a child under one, but then you get to the point where they're toddlers. And how do you recommend thinking about our child's behavior as they get more opinionated and a little more rambunctious? And how can we think about that? So 
I like to think about behavior as a form of communication. And so when your kid is behaving, they are communicating what they are feeling. So when you have a little toddler and they don't want to go into the car seat, they're feeling sad. They're feeling disappointed. They're feeling frustrated, whatever the emotion is, but they're not saying it. They're just using their body and flailing around and maybe crying or just saying no. And when we look at their behavior and we think, huh, what is the emotion underneath here? And you give language, it's a lot easier to change that behavior. And what I notice with parents is they'll say, what's wrong? What's going on? Why are you acting like this? And they'll feel angry about it. And if we actually use that same exact question, that is our natural question. And instead of asking it angrily, asking it from curiosity, what is going on? Why are you upset? And when we shift out of criticism, which is coming from our own overwhelm usually, but when we shift out of it and into a place of curiosity, then the problem solving, the creativity that you get out of that stress response and into that problem solving. Obviously, motherhood can be very stressful and you have a lot of things you're juggling. So do you have any exercises or kind of things you can say to yourself or what's kind of your philosophy on the mindset of mom? Yeah. Oh, it's like my favorite <laughs> topic is the mindset of mom. There's so many different ways to go about it. But what I like to do is have moms first think about like what's bothering them, you know, on their own separate, like my kid is blank. My kid is frustrating. My kid is a, a bully. My kid is, you know, like all those negative thoughts about their children, which no one ever really lets you talk about. We're not supposed to say those things, but you can say them mm -hmm. to your journal and you can say them to your coach, right? Getting those thoughts out and also negative thoughts about ourselves. Like I'm not good enough. You know, I'm not a good mom and oh, it's not okay to take care of myself. Like how you feel, I feel really guilty. Um, I call that like a thought dump. So doing that around ourselves and around our kids can really help us get out what, what is creating the stress. Because those thoughts are what's creating the emotion in us of overwhelm, confusion, frustration, anger, whatever that emotion is. And then reframing those into new, new thoughts that you want to be thinking. I love like, I can handle this. I can figure it out. This moment is temporary. My, my relationship is more important than compliance. Like thinking about that connection with your kid is more important than getting them to obey. I love that. And you touched on something that I think is so important and that I love talking about on the podcast is sort of that mom guilt. We feel like every moment we have to be totally in love with our child and blissful with them. And that if we don't, or if we're feeling upset or really stressed out, or maybe even just frustrated with our child for the way they're acting, that that's terrible and that we're terrible moms. How can moms actually, you know, be okay with that? Because I think it's a common thing, but nobody wants to admit it. And that like the two things can exist, that you can feel that frustration, but also love your child like more than anything, right? Yeah. Right. You can be a human being yeah. and have thoughts and feelings. Yes. yes. We're in a relationship with our kids and the way that they are acting, we're affected by it because we're humans and we're, we're people that are in a relationship with a human. Yeah, of course you might be thinking this kid is a jerk or so selfish or what a brat. You may have those thoughts that come up. And if we're not willing to take a look at them and be honest about them, that emotion gets stuck that resentment, that overwhelm, whatever that is happening inside of us, we don't process through that. Then it comes out through our behavior. I call that mad mom syndrome. The next thing you know, you're yelling, you're grabbing, you're pinching, you're emotionally disconnecting, you're checking out all of these behaviors that you show up with as a mom. And those make you feel guilty 
because mm-hmm. you didn't want to address the emotion in the beginning or the thought that was creating that in the first place. And so the more honest we are about ourselves, the easier it is to move through that and doing that reframing. But we can't reframe until we figure out what we're thinking in the first place. So you have to let it out. Like you said, writing it, talking to somebody. Right. But what I've noticed is that there's a lot of unsafe places to talk about our own anger and that there's a little silent shame that moms walk around with because then when you go out in the world and you want to talk with your friends or with other moms, they'll look at you like you're a monster. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to think, oh, no one else thinks this way or feels this way. When we show up as that mad mom syndrome, right? When we show up angry and then you have that, oh God, what is wrong with me feeling? Mm -hmm. That's just a clue to you that you need more support. It doesn't mean that you're bad or wrong or you ruin your kid or you're destroying everybody or anything. You're normal. You're a human being having a human experience. You want to normalize that. Yeah, I think it's really about normalizing it. And I think that the more honest conversations we can have, like what we're doing and just those honest moments, we're all going through some sort of struggle. And so I think the honesty is so important. Yeah. And the tools, right? That's the thing is if you don't Mm -hmm. admit to needing help, then you're not going to get the tools you actually need. And that was true for me in my story. I said to a friend of mine, I am being victimized by my four-year-old. I had this belief or this thought that I was in an abusive relationship with him, which was definitely not serving me, but it felt very true for me from that like victimization space. I was overreacting to his behavior. It was creating a dynamic. Then I was overpowering him. And then he was trying to get his power back. And we were in this spiral. I wasn't giving him tools to manage his feelings. So then he was hitting, he was screaming, he was having major temper tantrums, meltdowns that lasted for an hour. And then they were upsetting me. And then I was trying to squash him. It felt like I was very much in in my own little pocket of shame around it. And so when I spoke about it, it then opened up some space for me to begin my parent education journey personally. Darlene was on a mission to become a different kind of parent, more compassionate, calmer. So she educated herself with parenting classes and books and saw a huge impact. It changed everything for me because I could see that my little person wasn't a jerk, wasn't a psychopath, wasn't like a bully or someone who was going to hurt other children. Like I had spun it out pretty far in my head very much worst case scenario. Yeah. You get in your own head and everything feels bigger and more dramatic, right? Yeah. Yes. And it feels forever. Like that's why one of the thoughts I love is this moment is temporary. Just because my kid is hitting his little brother doesn't mean he's a violent human who's going to like get kicked out of high school. And I mean, I would go all the way. So that was the biggest shift I think in the beginning for me was recognizing that my son's behavior was coming from his feelings and he needed new tools to communicate and cope with those feelings in ways that work. As I was growing as a parent to help my son with his big feelings, I recognized that I didn't have a ton of coping skills Mm. for my big feelings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would learn parenting strategies, really amazing ones. And that's what I teach. I teach people how to do connection in an effective way, teach people how to set limits, how to use consequences without punishment, all these amazing tools. But if you're not calm, you can't remember to do any of them. Mm -hmm. So my journey to my own calm has helped me figure out what it means for moms to be calm so that we can become the mom we want to be, which is loving and kind, firm boundaries, teaching responsible kids. 
Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I think something you hit on, it feels so true is that, you know, you can read a million books so you can listen to everything or 10 courses and get the best coaching for the parenting. But if you're not working on yourself, then is it really going to be effective? So I think that's such a great approach. Because when I first started in my parent education work, I taught a lot of strategies. I would teach people how to set limits. I would teach people how to have consequences without punishment. What I found though, was that the gap was people would say in my classes or in my coaching, they'd say, I love everything you teach me. It's so amazing. But I can't remember any of it when I'm in the moment. Mm. I started to realize like I was doing something personally that I wasn't teaching. And it was really all of those calm skills, like stress management, self-care, all of those themes of how to just take excellent care of me so Mm. that I could be calm. And that's when I really opened up into more of like work around mindset and, you know, stress management and all of that and applying it to moms. From there, I've seen just crazy results with my clients because they actually can calm themselves and then do all those good parenting tools. No, that's such a great approach. And so I want to know from there, what you, you talked about your own parenting kind of struggle and journey to get where you are as a coach, but you know, what did your life look like? And how did you decide that this is what you wanted to pursue as, you know, your career and what you do and what you've done for a decade? Yeah, I guess I watched my own family, like, like miraculously heal. Like it, it felt so broken um, when my son was four and my younger, my younger son was two, they're two years apart. And within a year, like not that long, couple months, there was so much more peace and his behavior was improving. Yeah. He was still a little rambunctious five-year-old at that point and, you know, six-year-old, and he didn't have a lot of great coping skills yet. He was still learning them. He was little, but it was like this crazy aha to me that you can parent this way. Like it's possible. And that, the results are worth the effort because then you get the peaceful home you want. You stop yelling, you enjoy parenthood. You get to go to the park and have a good time and know how to leave the park without anybody having a big fit. Or if they have a fit, you don't mind, you know how to handle it, right? So I was wanting to share that. And I went to our my kids' elementary school and I said, can I offer a free class? And they were like, why would we do that if it didn't make us money? And I was like, well, you guys can make money. You could charge for it. And I was just wanting to share it. I had 30 moms sign up. My program has changed over the years, like different ways, but I just keep bringing moms and dads into the program and helping them. And then they get results and they share with more people. And yeah, so it came from that place of wanting to help others. And I think it's so smart how you approach that and that you didn't think I'm going to go in and I'm going to charge for this. You wanted to share it. Can you talk a little about that kind of business strategy for you of offering it for free and then how that turned into, you know, actual clients and established your business? Yeah. I'd love to talk about it. Um, I love talking about business as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think I really thought of myself as a business owner for a very long time or an entrepreneur. I just thought of myself as like a parenting teacher or, you know, a parent educator. And I come from education. I was a teacher. And so I was like, well, I'll just go to schools and teach this. And eventually people were like, can you teach my friends? And I would say, okay, I guess I was, so it was like the Tupperware or like, you know, multi-level marketing way. I'd say, okay, you get 10 friends in a room and I'll come and I'll teach you guys. 
And then I would charge like, I don't know, a hundred dollars or something, you know, for everybody to come for six weeks, like a really long time for no money, but I didn't mind it because I was just helping people. And it was like, you know, fun little money for the family. Once I pivoted in 2015 to one-on-one, that's when the, the model really became more profitable. So it's just grown really organically, which is lovely. I want to tell you about a product I love. It is the Mule Baby Whiteboard, the easiest way for new parents and caregivers to coordinate baby care. You can log feedings, diaper changes, and sleep times. It is reusable. Just stick it to your fridge and start logging. There's also a twin version. Get 10% off your order on Amazon with the code MOMSCALLING. Enjoy. Do you think the same methods work for most children or, you know, how much of it is based on that individual child? Well, as long as you're raising a human, then it works. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> because the thing is, I really think of myself as a relationship coach. Mm-hmm. We are in a relationship with our children. Being in a relationship means I have thoughts and feelings that I am responsible for and need to process through. It's not the other person's job to manage my thoughts or manage my feelings. Then as a parent, I'm in a relationship with my kid. It is my job to help them manage their emotions, teach them how. They have to do the work, but I need to give them the skills. And so if you think about a two-year-old or a 17-year-old, it's the same process. If they have a big feeling, they're not sure what to do with it. And we're there to help coach them through that emotion. In every relationship, we have boundaries. In every relationship, we have what we're willing to do or what we allow. That's true with a two-year-old. Like I'm happy to lay down with you as long as you don't spit in my face. It's a clear limit, right? And then with a teenager, like I'm happy to let you use the car as long as you come back by 11. So what happens when they spit in your face or don't come back by 11? You don't use the car. You don't lay down with them. Simple. (laughs) Yeah, it's simple. But then what happens is they have feelings about that. They have thoughts about it. They're going to use strategies to cope with that. They're going to be sad. They're going to cry. They're going to blame you. They're going to promise. They're going to do all of these behaviors and how we stay clear in our own limit. Like, yeah, well, you can have your thoughts and feelings. It doesn't mean I'm going to change the circumstance. I call it the calm mama process. And it's these four steps of calm, connect, limit, set, correct. And it's always the same process, whether you have a toddler, an elementary school, a middle school, a teenager, an adult child, the same. So it was important to me personally to create a parenting model that I could use only, I only needed to memorize one thing and master that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to give parents so that you don't have to keep finding new tools, new strategies all along the way. No, I love that. It's simple. Why don't traditional diets work? Because you can't fight your biology with willpower, but Calibrate is different. It's a comprehensive doctor-guided metabolic reset that promotes sustainable results through lifestyle changes. Calibrate works because they combine prescribed, FDA-approved medication with lifestyle changes to improve metabolic health. It's a fully integrated program that includes classes, one-on-one video coaching, in-app tracking, and community with members like you. They provide a comprehensive wellness plan personalized to your needs so it's easy to fit Calibrate into your busy schedule. 
Check in with the app as often or as little as you like. All of the goals you set are personalized and tracked by doctors and coaches. Your weight doesn't reflect your willpower. Get back in control with Calibrate. Get $50 off the one-year metabolic reset when you use the promo code BELIEVE at joincalibrate.com. That's $50 off when you use code BELIEVE at joincalibrate.com. I also want to bring this up, and that is the routines. I think that especially in the younger years, we get very caught up in the nap schedule and the wake windows and all of these routines. And we have to do this at this time. Do you recommend being strong in the routine and having that structure or being a little more fluid? Because I think that's a big stress also for for first-time parents. Consistency, consistency, right? That's what parents with young kids are told. You have to be consistent with your routines. You have to do it And I actually think that is a very, a message that really hurts parents because consistency is hard to achieve because we live in a world with other factors. And so, yes, I love having a a rhythm. I think of it as right, like a baseline, how things go a flow in our family so that, you know, most nights we go to bed at seven 30 or whatever. Most nights we have bath and most nights we do it or whatever the structure is, but then allowing for those flexibility times, like when you have a holiday or when they skip nap or, you know, whatever happens. What I think happens to moms in our mind is we worst case scenario it. So our brain says, if they don't eat now, they won't nap later. And then they won't be able to wake up when they want. And then we're, we kind of create this terrible, like, afternoon or tomorrow, that comes from a fear that you aren't going to be able to handle it. Mm. So when you believe deep down that you can handle any behavior that comes, when you always know its feelings and that you can set a limit when the behavior shows up, when you really believe that, if the routine gets messed up, it's no problem. But you also believe that the routine is valuable so you can stick to your limits. I'm thinking about how I used to feel if one thing, if she refused to nap, I got so panicked because I felt like future me in in an hour was going to have a meltdown and not know what to do. So that's like a big light bulb just went off for me with that. It's great. <laughs> yes, it's huge. Yeah. So I, I love, I love teaching rhythm. It's like one of the things I actually teach. I have timelines and structures and I mean, I love all of it. And I also want my moms to believe that they are always capable of handling anything that comes. But it happens in a family when the parent believes that is the kid calms down. The child can probably pick up on the stress that you as a parent are feeling. And then that's going to backfire in your face as opposed to kind of having confidence that you can handle it. And it'll probably be a lot better because there might not have been a problem at all. Right. Right. Like in two hours, they might just eat snack and go to the park like lovely day and not have a problem. And then you're like, yay, go to bed early tonight because you missed nap. Awesome. Like yes. if you just kind of stay in that space of like, every, I can handle anything that happens with these people and mm-hmm. everybody does that. Amygdalas talk to amygdalas. That's a part of our brain that senses whether we're in danger. Mm-hmm. And so when our amygdala is calm and we're not stressed, then our child's amygdala also can stay calm. It's sort of magic in that way. And if our child's activated and we're not able to calm our amygdala, our amygdala will go off and that just is danger, 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 stress response, send cortisol, send adrenaline. 
And then all of a sudden we're in our stress response. We're highly activated. I teach this concept called pause and reset. Always just stop. Mm-hmm. Mid sentence, mid yell, mid grab, mid pinch, mid whatever it is. Whenever you catch yourself in your stress response, pause and then move your body and move your mind. So move your body to reset that stress juice, get it out. And then moving your mind is like, where's calm here? Where's joy here? Where's connection here? And allowing yourself to think about what's really important. No, that's perfect. And I want to now, because we could just go on and on with questions about kids and parenting, but I want to bring it back to the mom and talk about self-care really quickly and just the importance and how a mom can tap back into that. So how can a mom find those moments to herself that she can feel good and calm so she can bring that into her, her parenting? Yeah. One thing I like to ask moms is like, what do you like to do? What do you actually like to do? Do you love reading? Do you love walking? Do you love being outdoors? Do you love tidying? Some people really love it. Organizing, you know, do you like watching TV? Do you like resting, like massages, whatever it is, because that is going to help the mother or the parent find what really soothes them. It looks different for people, but when you connect to yourself and ask, what is it that I like to do? What do I find relaxing? When am I most calm? When am I most happy? That's what to chase doing those things. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed is that we can build very, very small moments into our lives of delight. And those feel self-soothing, self-caring, slowly drinking a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, sitting outside and delighting in the, the weather, even when you're with your child. So it doesn't have to be always separate from them. You can take care of yourself in the moment. Sometimes self-care is, we're going to watch TV today. Or, you know what, everyone, hop in the car. We're going for a drive. Or whatever that is, it can be taking care of yourself even in moments that you're with your children. That's a great way of looking at it. And now I want to just kind of wrap up with a couple of the quick questions. First up, best and worst advice that you have heard in the mom world. Yeah. Well, I'll start with my worst advice because I think it's funny and I think it's still very prevalent is that you you should give your kid a timeout based on their age. Mm-hmm. So if they're three, you should have them sit for three minutes or if they're two, it's two minutes or whatever. And it just always cracked me up because I was like, do I get like a 40 minute timeout, <laughs> whatever age, you know, it didn't make any sense to me. And also kids don't know really how to self-soothe or self-regulate. The concept of timeout is troublesome because You want to send your child away to calm down, but they don't have the tools yet to calm and process emotion. So I always thought that was the dumbest advice. Yeah. (laughs) No, that is is a good one. Yeah. The best advice I ever got was from a grandma, like an older mom. And she said to me, most of the things that you worry about in parenting have a way of working themselves out. It came up because I was like, when do we start chapter books? Like, are we supposed to start chapter books now? Or are we still supposed to read picture books? And I was so like concerned about when we should start chapter books. And she said, basically, it doesn't matter. Your kid will learn chapter books when they're ready. You don't need to think about all of it and plan for it and be on top of it all. Like it all has a way of working itself out. And it has proven true over and over and over again that I don't need to be so hyper vigilant that I can just enjoy the process of motherhood. 
That's amazing advice. I've already seen that to be true as well. And then my other one was just a great resource for other moms, you know, besides calling you, (laughs) what's a great resource, a book or an account or something that moms can go and, and get some good info and inspiration? I mean, I really love the book, The Whole Brain Child by Dr. Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson. That book is really helpful in understanding where behavior comes from and helping us shift into compassion. That book helps you get out of your head around your the kid's behavior being a problem. Really helps you see behavior is just there processing their emotion and not knowing how to do that. I always say, if you only read one parenting book ever, I would read that one. Now for a question from my previous guest. What's the hardest part about being a mom? The hardest part is being calm. And what does that mean? It really, to me, means shifting out of negative emotion fast enough to connect with your child's emotion. The better we get at processing our emotion and moving through it is the best thing we can do for our kids. But it's the hardest thing to do because we're human and we're experiencing their behavior and the moment and the frustration and the demands and how to like reset that as fast as possible. I think that is the hardest part about parenting. Amazing. So now we're just going to wrap up with how people can get in touch with you on social media or if they want to get one-on-one help. The best way to follow me on social media is on my Instagram and it's just my name at Darlin Childress. And then if you want to know about me and working with me particularly, then go to callmamacoaching.com. And I have two ways of working with me. One is a group program. And in that program, I have an online course and several times a week that you can coach with me in a group. And that's lifetime access. So that's a great resource. Like you buy once and you're in for the whole, your whole, your child's whole life. And then working with me one-on-one, I work with parents for three months at a time and really kind of solidify all of these skills and get their head clear. Amazing. Perfect. I got so much out of this conversation. I think that a lot of moms will as well. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Allie. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, I want to hear from you. Send me an email to momscallingpod at gmail.com. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review this podcast. See you next week for another episode of Mom's Calling on the Believe Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.